I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. In today's lesson, John Carter guides us through the origin and the end of evil. The topic today is the origin and the end of evil. After 9-11, some philosophers in North America said, hey, maybe there's evil in the world. <laughs> they said, maybe, maybe there's bad in the world. Well, of course, you see, if there's no God, if you're going to be absolutely logical, if there's no God, then there's no good either. And today we're going to talk about the origin of, of evil and the end of evil. We're going to answer the question, are there evil spirits? Are there beings who are actually in existence who are evil spirits? Do you know what a, who a philosopher is or what a philosopher is? It has been said that a philosopher is a man who is in a, a round room and it's got no windows and it's got no doors and it's got no light either. And so here is this man in this round room, no doors, no windows, no light, and no sight. And he's looking for a cat. <laughs> he's looking for a cat that doesn't exist. That's what a philosopher really is, a person who is grasping and trying to find something and he has no real sense of reality. I believe today that we need an infallible source of truth, something you can depend on. And I believe this is it, the Bible or the Word of God. We believe it is not man's Word, it is God's Word. I want you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 28 and verse 12 and 13, please. We're going to have a lot of text. We're going to talk today about the origin and the end of evil. Ezekiel 28 verse, uh, let me see, verse, verse 12. You got it? Son of man. Listen to the text. Son of man. Take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. Just remember this. The king of Tyre. And say to him, thus says the Lord God. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13, which seems uh, completely absurd. It says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper. Sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. And this, this is a bit amazing. Because it's talking 
about a being who was in the very presence of God, in the Eden of God. And he was a perfect being from the day he was created and it calls him the king of Tyre. Have you read this text before? The king of Tyre was a human being, but the person we're talking about in this text is not a human being because behind the king of Tyre was an evil spirit who was made, not as an evil spirit, but a great personality who was made by God. Look at Ezekiel um, 28, 14 and 15, and we're going to read on the, down the page a little bit, verse 14 and 15. You were the anointed cherub who covers. So this person is an angel behind the king of Tyre. Wonder why the world is in such a mess? Because behind many rulers are evil spirits. Hey, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones, it says. I mean, this is sort of astounding. Verse 15, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you behind the king of Tyre as behind many of the rulers in this world today is an evil spirit. And this being was in the very presence of God once upon a time. The Bible says he was perfect. He was sinless. And this sinless being was made by God. People say, then God must have made the devil. No, God didn't make the devil. The devil by his own choice made himself. And the devil once upon a time was a beautiful, wonderful, majestic, uh, overwhelmingly intelligent supernatural being. Look at verse 17. It says, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Can't understand that. You, corru you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground, I laid you before kings that they might gaze upon you. Um, this is inexplicable. I can't understand this. I have some idea. It is unexplainable if there's such a word. This is mysterious. Here is a, ladies and gentlemen, a cherub angel, a spirit being of immense power, a created being who was to challenge the power of God the Creator. He had a beginning. God in the Scriptures in the Old Testament is called by the Tetragrammaton, which is the word Yahweh. This is the most sacred word in all of creation, even if you go outside our galaxy. There's no word that equals this word, Y-H-W-H. This is the word for the self-existent almighty God. He doesn't live in time. Time lives in him. Where did he come from? He was always there. Existed before time. And the Bible tells us that this almighty God uh, made a being and we shall discover his name. 
God's name means I am that I am. The self-existent. The almighty one. This great angel whom Yahweh Elohim created has a name. And if you turn with me to Isaiah 14 and verses 12 to 14, you find here the name of this created spirit being. Now, God is a spirit, but God was never, never created, unlike this being. Isaiah 14, verses 12 and onwards. How you have fallen from heaven. Oh, what does it say? Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. There was this tremendous being who was created eons ago who somehow got into his tremendous mind um, the lustful thought that not only would he be like God, not in character, but in power. Not only would he become like God, but he would overthrow God and he would rule the world and the universe and other universes. His name is Lucifer, the shining one, the day star, the great deceiver. Now let me give you some stuff which is very strong, which is very marvelous, and it's, it's wonderful, and it's scientific. Listen, just because someone or something cannot be seen doesn't mean that mass or energy does not exist in a real and powerful way. Did you know this? That 95% of the universe is composed of dark matter or dark energy. We could not exist without it. To this point of time, nobody knows what it is. Now, we're not talking about clouds or darkness. We're not talking about that. I want you to think of the Milky Way system. Uh, vast, huge, composed of uh, 100,000 million uh, blazing suns with a great black hole in the center. Then we know there are billions of galaxies in the universe. NASA has pointed out that the universe is now 10 times bigger and is made up of 2 trillion galaxies. Not stars, but systems like the Milky Way system. Vast, huge, and it can be seen with telescopes, optical or radio telescopes. It, it can be seen. 
we got we put pictures of it on the screen. But that is only that is less than five percent of the universe, because the rest of the universe cannot be seen because it's composed of a substance that we cannot understand how little we know. But this substance is called dark matter and dark energy, but we know it's there because it exerts a force. Gravity reacts to it. The universe is expanding out like this because of the dark energy that lives on the edges of the universe and drives the universe. We would not be here. Therefore, more than 95% of the universe is not the stuff that you can see. It is the stuff that cannot be seen. Who believes this? Well, of course, everybody does. But there's another universe cannot be seen. In the same way, there is an unseen world uh, of in, not just invisible, but creatures, spirit beings that are real and alive, have mass and have energy and can do amazing things. I, I have to smile when I read, um, talk to cynics, which I do all the time, and they say, well, we couldn't believe in anything we couldn't see. <laughs> Come on. Wake up, get out of the dark ages. There is an unseen world of spirit beings. Look at Hebrews 1 and verse 14, please. Hebrews 1 and verse 14. It says, speaking of the good angels, now get that, the good angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? These are the good angels. But they're spirits. You know they're here, don't you? In this television studio, Southern California, they're here. And the Bible teaches there are good spirits and there are evil spirits. And today we're talking about the origin and the end of evil. And the Bible says that behind the king of Tyre was a mighty evil spirit. Now, we're not going to talk about world leaders, are we? But when you see what's happening in the world and in some nations, you're tempted to say, is this man or is this person being controlled uh, like the king of Tyre by an evil spirit? We're going to talk today about these evil spirits, what they're doing in the world and what is going to happen to them at the very end. Come with me to the apocalypse. That is the book of 
Revelation, dear hearts and gentle people. Revelation chapter 12 and verses 7 and onwards. And war broke out in heaven. You know, if we went no further, this verse is enough to take your breath away. And so evil started not in this planet, but it started in heaven. And this is not just referring to the atmosphere. This is referring to the third heaven in the very paradise of God. War broke out, it says. War broke out in heaven. Michael, another name for Christ, and his angels, these spirits, fought with the dragon. This is Lucifer. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives, what does it say? It says the whole world. So the whole world is being deceived. He deceives the whole world. And then the Bible says, he was cast to the earth and now there you've got it. And his angels, these spirits, were cast out with him. The Bible says, very, very long time ago, in a way that we cannot comprehend, we're just little kids playing around here on the seashore. The Bible tells us that there broke out in heaven a tremendous war, and this being who had stood in the very presence of God and who shone with the luster of the stars, with a mighty mind, after God with the greatest intellect. And he led a rebellion because he was not content to be the covering cherub. He said, I will be like God. And so a long time ago, Evil started in heaven. What was this war like? I don't think it was anything like we can imagine. For us to try to understand it today, it would be like comparing cyber warfare with bows and arrows. The people a few hundred years ago with bows and arrows would not understand cyber warfare. We do know that this war involved millions, even billions of powerful spirit beings unseen by us like dark matter and dark energy, but nevertheless very real. And the Bible says they were cast down to the earth. Now for many, many years, as I studied the geologic column, which of course is a fact, If you go and if you look at all the layers of the earth, you'll find that embedded in the layers there are specimens. And when you see the beautiful flowers, that's easy to understand. But in this column, you find creatures that are hideous and vicious, such as uh, T-Rex, this guy here, on the screen. And people, especially Christians, have been perplexed by this. I know my old mother was totally, she'd say, John, why why did God make 
T-Rex. My question was, why did God make the devil? He didn't. I believe that God made life. And I believe that there was a mastermind, a master geneticist. And this great mastermind uh, in his laboratories, his supernatural laboratories, bred these dreadful creatures. I believe the geologic column is the evidence of evil working in the world going back a long, long time. He took the life that God had created and gave it a twist. Now, I want you to remember this, if you remember nothing else. God is the author of goodness. Satan or Satan, Lucifer is the author of death, cancer, pain, suffering, and sorrow. Not God. Take your Bible, please, and come to Matthew 13 and verse 27 and 28. And Jesus talked about it. Jesus, the man who came from another world, another universe. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 27 and 28. Look at it in the Word of God. Get your Bible. Follow me in the Bible. Verse 27. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? This is the parable Jesus gave. How then does it have tares? Why is there bad in the world? Why is there evil in the world? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? Jesus said, It would be a great mistake to attribute to the Creator the work of the enemy. And so in the geologic column, other things in the world, we see the hand of the great manipulator of genes. And the Bible says he's alive and well. Now we come to the most perplexing question that one can ever ask. Why does a good God permit suffering? If God is almighty, why tell me, somebody tell me, why does God permit suffering? I want you to take your Bible and come with me to the first book in the Bible, book of Genesis that explains all other mysteries. Genesis chapter 3 and verses one and onwards, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 and onwards. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more cunning, this is Satan, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, God's a liar. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, like he wanted to be, knowing good and evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, this talks about the original sin in the Garden of Eden, not the original sin because it had happened previously with Lucifer. But look at verse 18 and 19. Verse 18 and 19. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field and the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the earth, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall Return, listen carefully. God could have stopped it. But he couldn't have been God. Love is a choice. You can't love unless you've got freedom of will. And so God took, if one were using just human thoughts, God took the greatest possible risk and he gave to the angels and he gave to every one of us the gift of choice. Or else we would have been robots and robots can't love you. Today we're talking about the origin and the end of evil. We're talking about evil spirits and we'll be back very soon as we continue this amazing presentation hello friend I'm John Carter. Behind me is the great city of Manila, the capital of the Philippines. Did you know, this is quite amazing, there are more people living in this area than in New York City, and Christ died for these people. We came here, oh, a long time ago, back in 1984. What's that, 34, 35 years ago? And we came here with a team of young people, and we came to the PICC. It is our intent to come here, hire the biggest hall that's available, the greatest outdoor stadium, whatever it takes. You've got more than 20 million souls out here. And I say it again, these are people for whom Christ died. I'm asking you to pray for the people of the Philippines. Please pray for the people here in Metro Manila. And please write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at Terrigal at the address that is now showing on the screen. We're back in Manila, and we're back with a message from God. That message is, Christ died for you, and Christ is coming again soon. Please support us. Write to me today, 
Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, and also write to me at Terrigal in Australia. Thank you for your support and God bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.